Welcome to the Religion and Story podcast. This is our 11th episode of our fifth season. Uh, next episode will be the final episode of the season. Uh, so this is our penultimate episode. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, how to safeguard your family. Um, we are young parents, two of us, and one of us isn't a parent at all. Uh, so happy not a Father's Day to Daniel. Um, we're recording this the day after Father's Day. Um, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about what it means uh, to prepare your family spiritually, physically, emotionally, preparing your family for all that life can bring at us. Uh, in a world where it doesn't seem like we're getting as much support as perhaps we would like to, and I'd say that the world has always been that way, it is that much more important that we think proactively about preparing our families for what's ahead. We'll probably concentrate on preparing children, uh, but you know, preparing your marriage, preparing yourself uh, for uh, all of the things that, that can happen is part of it. So, a uh, lot to cover here. Stephen, why don't you get us started? How do we prepare our families? How do we safeguard our families? Get a good security system and make sure that you lock your doors. That is mm, one way to physically protect them, and that's not what we're talking about. So, jokes aside, um, the I, I think a lot of what goes into safeguarding your family, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, spiritual things. And so leading by example, how, what are the different ways that we can lead by example? Uh, and the first thing that you got to do is one, check and see what's important to you as a parent, because whatever is important to you are the things that you are going to put into your life and involve yourself in. Uh, if your children are important to you, but the next thing up is, I don't know, for me, I work in finance that learning about those types of things is important to me. I will probably pass on that knowledge and skill set to my children in some ways if they even care to listen to me talk about that. It'd be kind of boring at times. But um, if, if I don't have God as something that's important in my life, then it's not going to come up in conversation. We're not going to have uh, times or meal times where we chat about those types of things. I will have no incentive to uh, help my uh, my kids do memory verses. That's something that we do. A lot of times we're not consistent about working on those things, but it's something that I try and get my kids excited about. And that's one of the other things. You have to be excited about uh, whatever it is that you're trying to impose on your kids. Because if you just go through safeguarding them and make it, if you try and uh, insert fear into their minds, then you're not really giving them the foundation. Of course, if that excitement that you're giving them is not genuine, you're going to have the same ill effects. So uh, that's kind of where I would start it. Share y'all's thoughts as well. For um, any of our, our regular listeners, you probably noticed that uh, um, most of our podcasts start with Michael throwing it off to me to say something, I throw it off to Stephen, and we make a full circle. This podcast, I was uh, second pick because, as Michael already mentioned, 
Um, I don't have any children, so I'm not really qualified to talk about this. But in 2019, I did read two books about uh, raising children, one of them with a, a spiritual slant. So hopefully I'll have some good uh, things to add to this conversation. I think uh, on top of what Stephen was saying about the attitude that you bring to child rearing, it's important to talk about the, the why that we're even having this discussion. Um, why um, is this something that we need to worry about? Um, for uh, a lot of parents, at least people I've talked with, um, a lot of it is not so much um, not winging it, uh, not being totally unprepared, but the idea is that um, if you are yourself, if you are, um, um, if you yourself are, are a good person, then it will naturally impart to your children. I'm not sure, and I, I think that probably both of y'all would agree with me, that that's not how that works. There has to be some level of intentionality in how we are imparting our, our convictions and virtues to our children. Um, they will not grow up to, to be outstanding citizens or upright Christians or anything like that uh, simply by accident. Now we need to be thinking about, Stephen, like you said, um, how are we, we training them to be more um, spiritual, also to be um, uh, more successful in, the, in a holistic sense of the word um, in, in every regard. Mike, what, what are your, some of your thoughts? So I will echo what both of you have said already, and I'll, I'll saying it in another way. Um, you shouldn't be surprised that your children don't learn things that you never teach them. Um, you know, oftentimes we think, well, they'll they'll pick that up somewhere else. I, I can think of uh, we had the three of us had the same parents, and um, there there are things that probably none of us know because that was just never something we talked about. Now, luckily for us, uh, guys, do any of y'all know how to change oil in your car? I was thinking about that just the other day <laughs> that uh, there's a, a lot of things that go hand in hand with having your man card that uh, were not passed off to us, but we thankfully there's YouTube. It reminds me that, uh, Michael, please um, correct the expression. I've heard you say it a lot that if, uh, if you're not a parent to your child, the world will be, or something along those lines. Uh, it's, if, if you don't uh, want to uh, teach your child, somebody else will. So uh, basically saying that if you don't guide your child in ways that are important to you, they will be taught uh, and uh, form their decision-making based upon the environment that they're in. Uh, they just won't. Go ahead. No, no, that's well said. I, I guess uh, where I hear that referred to most often is um, someone's going to teach your kids about sex. Hopefully it's you. Uh, if you don't teach your kids about sex, someone will, and they will not teach them the way that you want them to be taught. That, I know that that is, that is perhaps a heightened uh, you know, subject that people to get people scared about it, but it applies to everything. Um, if you don't teach your kids about proper language use or teach your young men how to treat young ladies and young ladies how to be expected to be treated by young men or how to treat young men, someone will teach them. Uh, popular culture will teach them. So um, be intentional. And, and the, the other, my brothers have already said that. So be intentional. For the record, I don't think that changing my oil is the most important thing ever, but it's just the one thing that sticks out in my head like, I don't know what to do. Um, so, um, it, yeah, who cares? Uh, 
the other thing I would say here is it's not enough to say that you care. Let's take, for example, you know, you tell your family, you know, we have uh, God, uh, we have the church as our priority. That's, that's what our priority is. It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to skip church services when you have a ball game to go to. Uh, it's another thing to plan, uh, to, you know, to get, I don't know, concert tickets or to plan vacations that, you know, go against church time, or you, you don't even try to have a family worship service when you're, when you're gone. So there's a difference between what you say and what your time actually shows about you. Uh, a quote that we've used many times here that I, I will apply here. Um, Martin Luther said, the last part of a man to be converted is his pocketbook. Um, show me how you spend your money. I'll show you what your priorities are. Um, are you spending money on, uh, on your faith and on developing the faith of your, your spouse, your children, whatever it may be? Um, how do you actually spend your time, your money? That's more important than what you say. Now, you have to say the thing. You have to say the right things, but you have to follow it up with actions, with yeah. commitment. And I think you're on to something there. Uh, the first couple examples that you gave were about going on vacation and not going to church or uh, going uh, to musical events or sports during uh, or skipping church to go make sure you get to your seats early for a football game or something like that. Where Yeah, le leaving so early that you never actually make any friends at church, yeah. Yeah, well, it just showing your priorities. So for that, I'm going to say, I think if a parent is doing that, then they've kind of already made up their mind that that is okay with them. And some people, uh, they don't have a problem with missing worship services or, uh, or being there every single week uh, because they might view it as being legalistic. Okay, so that is probably uh, not what we're really talking or trying that's not our audience for this but what i'm thinking where you're talking about um i just went blank the uh the last thing that you addressed <laughs> um how you spend your money and time right so parents parents that are wondering um what did i do wrong for me one of the worst fears i have is that my children grew up and are not faithful I think a lot of parents have that fear uh, because in the grand scheme of things, that's really all that matters is that we go to heaven and serve God and that our family and those that we come in contact with do that as well. The ones that we have an influence over, we want them to be better off. Obviously I want everybody that's ever existed to go to heaven, but I am, I can't be held responsible for somebody I've never met. Let, let me say the same thing in another way. Like Stephen said, uh, the souls of my children are just as important as any other individual souls of the billions of people that live on the earth. However, I live with my children. I am directly responsible for them. I spend a ton of time with my children, my wife. And so uh, my responsibility for them is on a much higher level. Right. And scripture speaks to the effects that you have on children and the consequences for uh, if you have ill effects on your children. So that's why we, that's the whole purpose that we're doing this podcast is uh, the impact that you have on your kids. How can you make it as good as possible? So if we're answering the question of 
What could I have done to prevent my kid from falling away? What are some of the things that uh, have usually slipped through the cracks? I mean, we have a lot of obvious things that we've talked about, but what are some of the things that we that a parent may not consider that they might regret later down the road? Um, I I don't have anything off the top of my head, so I kind of want to turn the question around on um, you and maybe give us some more time to think about those. Is what are y'all currently doing? Both of y'all are parents um, to maybe spiritually form your children. You, we've mentioned two already, uh, memory verses and um, uh, very frequent church attendance, if not every time the doors are open. Um, are y'all doing anything else that y'all think have been beneficial or helpful in that way? Um, so for me, uh, I already mentioned that I, I try and do uh, go over some memory verses with my kid. Uh, my four-year-old, uh, my 10-month-old can't even speak yet, so that's pointless. Uh, but I, uh, um, I I try and engage him in those things without reward. It's just something that I want to get him to know. This is what God tells us, and I sometimes forget to do it on days, and I don't want to just give our listeners the idea that I'm the perfect parent because I'm not because just a few hours ago, I yelled at my kid for not eating his food. I was getting frustrated. I've told you five times, you're not watching anything on the TV until you finish your food. Probably lost my cool a little bit because I was getting aggravated. So I'm not the perfect parent, uh, but the teaching moments when my kid gets angry because he's not getting to watch television like he wants to, I'll sit him down and let's talk about why are you feeling this way? You're angry because you don't get something that you want, right? Um, well, maybe we should pray about it. And for parents that have children that are teenagers, like, well, I can't really sit down with my teenager and have a you know, talk to him like a kid. I'm like, well, yes, you can. You just adjust it a little bit differently. Um, what's really sad is when I see parents that um, they lose the spiritual connection with their children as they get into the adolescent and teenage years where if your kid tells you, well, if it's awkward, let's say, and you don't want to pray with your kid because they don't want to be around you, teenagers go through that phase. I get it. I went through it a little bit myself. But uh, for a parent to just say, you know what, I'm not going to intrude on them because it makes them uncomfortable. Uh, you're missing out on a lot of opportunities, kind of hitting on the point that we made that if you're not going to teach your kid, somebody else will. Um, so yeah, it, what makes it even worse is when I see uh, a parent that uh, I've, I'm teaching their kid at church um, and I ask, hey, where, where's your kid? We really missed him in class this morning. And like, oh, they didn't want to come. And I'm thinking, why is that even an option? You're, you're the parent here. You're supposed to be making the call. Yeah. Agree with you there. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, let me say one thing to Stephen for the record, the, the way that uh, we operate with uh, Elizabeth and Lily five and three currently um, at the dinner table, uh, we say you don't have to eat your food, but uh, that's the only food you're going to get. You can just sit there and look at it. 
Um, you won't get any treats afterwards. And so the, the, the thing that's hard for us is convincing them to sit there um, and actually, you know, spend time with us together. And, which kind of going to Daniel's uh, question about, you know, what are the specific things that we do? One thing that I've tried, and I'll admit I wasn't perfect at this, but I tried doing it. Um, I had a, I downloaded an app. Um, I apologize for what it's called. It's called the New City Catechism. Um, basically, it's a series of questions. Uh, our, every podcast I have to drop his name, Tim Keller, uh, in the, the Redeemer uh, Church put this together. Um, but basically, it's like a catechism where it has questions that you respond to. Now, I'm not expecting my children to answer the questions the way that this catechism does. Um, but I want to, ask, it, it gives me questions to ask. Um, who is God? What did God do? Who is the Redeemer? What, you know, what does it mean to redeem? And um, you'd be surprised how, um, how much is retained with even, within even a young mind. My five-year-old can't give you the ins and out of the systematic theology of, who the, of what it means for Jesus to be our Redeemer. But she understands that Jesus died on the cross. She, she makes the connection that you know, Jesus was a sacrificial lamb, so she can talk about sacrificing lambs in the Old Testament. Um, so it's questions that my wife and I can talk about at the table, but mainly we give the kids a first crack at talking through these. And you know, sometimes it's silly answers. Sometimes they don't know anything about it, but occasionally um, they will say something that, that sticks with me, but mostly it's, it's a teaching moment. My wife stays at home with our kids and uh, they have a Bible lesson every day. We try to talk about things and um, there's always more to be done, but that don't let uh, the perfect be the enemy of the, what, what, no, what is it? Don't let uh, good be the, no, man, great enemy of the good. I don't remember how that phrase goes. Don't, you don't have to be perfect. Just do your best. Uh, listeners, look up the, uh, the proverb for us and uh, tell, uh, tweet it to us or post in the comments or something. Uh, y'all, y'all are making me think of um, not something that I do, but I remember from uh, my childhood, and y'all probably similar for y'all, uh, even though y'all are a bit older than me, um, is uh, I, though we had some specific instances of our, our parents being uh, very intentionally bringing uh, spiritual themes into the household. I remember a handful of uh, devotionals we had as a family trying to start the day right. Those never lasted very long. Um, but, but one thing, um, and it seems like y'all are maybe doing the same thing with y'all's children, that uh, was pervasive, that, that was consistent, um, is uh, kind of this broad idea of bringing Christianity um, uh, into the home into our lives, or uh, maybe a better way of saying it is outside of the, the church building. Um, I think uh, just the, the how how steeped we were in um, in our faith, even though it may not have been something as concrete as memory verses. I don't really remember our parents ever giving us memory verses, even though that's highly effective. But small things like when we would go on road trips, we took uh, many trips out to Lubbock growing up. 
Um, we play lots of um, road trip sort of games. You're, uh, there's the alphabet game I'm sure most people are familiar with um, or the uh, alpha, different games like that. But one game that we did a lot was 20 questions. But when we played 20 questions, it was rarely uh, animal, vegetable, mineral. It was more often um, Bible characters. Old Testament or New Testament? Uh, yeah, sorry, that, that's always the first question. Michael obviously holds the, um, the greatest uh, character ever when he chose Balaam's donkey. No one got that. <laughs> um, but just um, those sort of games, just bringing our Christianity into, into fun things that we did um, throughout our childhood and m- many other examples that took it beyond the walls of the church building. Daniel, I think that that is, I won't say that that's the one thing that separates, uh, you know, an active faith, but isn't that kind of essential though, right? I mean, um, that that's one of the blessings that we had growing up. And, and I hope that even if, uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't have that, you can provide that for your own family, that we as Christians live a full life uh, that is constantly reflecting on our faith. And uh, because we love Jesus, we want to get to know him better. Um, our, uh, we worship the Godhead, and uh, that is something that always is, is going on. So um, in order to do that well, it should be, it should, let me put it this way, it shouldn't be weird for your family to talk about faith, to talk about God. If it's weird, then um, that's then it's time for a family meeting. You have to say, hey, we need to, we need to talk about this uh, more. Uh, we need an adjustment yeah. within our family. And I think that's even more specific. That's probably better what I was trying to say. All I could think of was the example of playing road trip games. But yes, Michael, that, that's more accurate as to what it was, is this ability to just talk about uh, religious topics whenever. Um, we're a family that loves to argue and just debate things. Um, that's part of how we <laughs> spend the t- uh, past time. But um, the how often we chose to debate um, spiritual ideas, theological ideas. Um, not that every family is going to be like that, um, but just that that um, that we were always uh, able to discuss those things. So it's not that I, I want our listeners to be arguing with their children as much, um, but to be able to bring the, bring those topics up, like you were saying, and that gets to what Stephen was saying earlier of um, being able to maintain those conversations past when they're um, a small child into their maybe more formative years as a teenager and even when they, they leave the home and go off um, to start their own uh, independent lives. Yeah. And I guess the, the one other thing that, that I would say there, you know, for, um, for parents that are, that are forming their children and, you know, you don't have to be argumentative about it. Uh, if, if you have a, a more passive child or you are passive yourself, I, I think the one question that, that you should learn to ask is, well, what do you think about that? Um, try to, try to probe and, you know, don't, don't start a fight, just let them express themselves. Uh, because the more you get your kids or your spouse talking about spiritual things, um, 
the more that they will become familiar with it. And it doesn't have to be an argument. Just listen to what they have to say. Um, so another, another direction we wanted to go in um, was talking about just general formation. You know, what, what are some more um, good rules for family life? How you can uh, have a happy, healthy family? What are some, some good uh, rules of thumb that you've come across? Maybe you've heard someone else give you some really good marriage advice or uh, good advice for raising kids. What's, what sticks out in y'all's mind? Um, it doesn't have to be spiritual. Well, I have two boys, and I've tried to already get the gears uh, spinning into my head about how I can get my boys to overcome the obstacles that are already set out in the world as far as how they look at women. How can I prevent my two boys from becoming part of a world that objectifies women? where they're told that uh, what you need to look for in a girl is good looks and that's it. As long as they're nice to you when you meet them and you're attracted to them uh, in, a, <clears throat> in a sexual manner, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that I want my kids to be acting out in a sexual manner, but that it's a physical attraction. And that is, uh, for me, that is all that really mattered to me as far as um, uh, seeking a spouse and uh, in, my, in my early dating days. And it just came to me that, well, all right, why are all my relationships failing? Uh, because I was not seeking out that Proverbs 31 type of a woman. And, uh, and so that is what I'm hoping to teach my boys so they don't go down the wrong path. Because, you know, we talked to like, somebody else is teaching your uh, kids how to uh, desire women in a certain way, then they're not going to be doing it the way that God intends them to. Uh, because I think that's a serious problem about uh, how sexes are attracted to each other. Um, the desires are very misplaced. Um, Michael, you have two girls. Um, what do you think are teaching points that you uh, – proceed down the road for yourself. So while you were talking through that, the, the very first thing that came to my mind is everything I've heard is that you, how healthy your children will be in uh, romantic relationships later on is often dependent on how well they are treated. Um, usually I've heard more often by that, who? See, I've heard that it's more about how they're, how they're treated by the member of the opposite sex. So me with my daughters is extremely important for what they expect from young men. That uh, I, don't, I hate the word courting, uh, that they would date. There you go. Um, and with uh, James and David, how Crystal treats them in it is the way that or she should expect to be treated by them the way that she wants them to treat women in the future. So um, those things start extremely early. Um, you know, the, I, I hate to bring this up it, to go to kind of a dark place, but um, abuse in a child's young life can have ramifications for years to come. 
and um, just would makes relationships in the future less pleasant. And that's robbing a child of their innocence. Uh, of course, we never, uh, that, that's the worst thing to even think about. Um, another thing that I'll, I'll note here is that um, science tells us that a child's uh, brain, I'll, I'll call them a child, is not fully formed until they are 25. Um, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, introducing our kids to stuff. Well, if you can successfully, uh, or well, let me put it this way, if you can do your best to keep your children away from, you know, uh, violence in video games and movies and sex on TV or in, uh, you know, out there in the world, uh, or even make sure that they're using good language. If you can, it, I, it's my understanding that if you can keep that up till 25, they will keep with it. That will be something that sticks with them. It, it's, it's, it's no longer plastic. It's who they are. It's, it's stuck in their brains. So that's a good thing. I like that. I, I appreciate the segue, Daniel. I can see that you got something on your mind. I want you to think about what I'm about to say because I, I've seen some of the blogs that you've written in the past that kind of touch on this. So yeah, we were discussing this before we started recording, but I think parents, it's very dangerous to have the mindset that your child is ready to be exposed to something at a certain age. For example, like at 17, I'm going to take my kid to see his first rated R movie because now he's old enough to see those types of things. Um, I think that is completely flawed logic that the guidelines that the world has set for us, it says, okay, it's okay for um, uh, someone in their youth to now be exposed to this. What I think parents should be thinking is, I need to be preparing my kid for when they are exposed to this, that they'll be able to handle something like that, but not basically counting down the days until I can put my kid in harm or sin's uh, environment. That is not something that we should be wanting to do. Um, but and, and so, Daniel, uh, I want to get your take because I know that you've expressed that um, – Christians should take in different types of content to uh, not to say that, Oh, we need to go and watch uh, sinful movies because they're art. But I want to hear your thoughts on uh, how we need to be consuming different types of things and yet keeping our innocence as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, actually going to throw it off to you because of what Michael said. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Michael had mentioned uh, maintaining certain levels of piety until the age of 25. And for most kids, that's long after they've left your house. Um, and so I was going to say, is that even doable? And I know Stephen, yeah, you had thoughts on that. Um, some, some things that I'll uh, say, it, well, first I'll, I'll maybe even ironically say that uh, I think that the MPA's ratings are actually uh, higher than what I would um, give my children, I think. Probably before they're 13, they'll be seeing PG-13 movies. Before they're 17, they'll see our movie. Especially older movies. Passion of the Christ? Uh, yes, Passion of the Christ. That'll, of course, be the first one. They'll see that before they see their first PG movie. Um, that's not true. Don't Parents don't do that. Uh, so I, I, have a, I have a lot of thoughts that are kind of conflicting. Um, but I'll, I'll try to make them coherent. The first thing is, I don't think 
that um, the media that uh, young people intake is as um, influential on who they become as we like to think that it is. Um, I, the biggest one is violence and how the, the, the gap between the violence that someone can see and um, how that forms them. Um, having seen plenty of violence, uh, yet being a very, uh, I consider myself to be a very uh, gentle and even passive and pacifistic person. Um, so that, that's one thing is that there's a gap and that gap maybe is smaller for the other forms of adult content. When you talk about sexuality and profanity and just other, uh, adult material that you can see in movies or in music. Um, but yeah, two other things to keep in mind. And then, uh, we're running out of time is, um, one, sometimes we, we watch movies simply for entertainment purposes. And actually that's what we do most of the time. And so we need to keep that in mind when, uh, in your, you need to weigh your options. When is something too adult, too, too inappropriate, um, that you are willing to give up that just the, the joy of seeing it. Um, Temple of Doom, it's a really fun movie. There's a pretty gross scene where a guy gets his heart ripped out. So you have to weigh, is it, is that something I want my, my five-year-old daughter to see? Probably not. Is it something I want my 10-year-old daughter to see? Maybe so. Um, 13, obviously that's where we get our PG-13 rating. So, uh, and then the other thing are spiritual ideas. There's, a, there's something formative about art and a lot of the most um, uh, the deepest or most intelligent art that is produced, especially in the world of film, um, is adult it's uh it is rate it's rated r um or at least pg-13 because there's a lot of things that we need to think about and wrestle with that are um for uh, when we're older and but do we need to wait until when the mpaa said that that's view um needs to be wrestled with oftentimes not sometimes maybe so that there's a lot of ideas sorry for talking for a while but some things to wrestle with yeah, I think, uh, I mean, obviously we have some conflicting beliefs there. So let's throw that out there to our listeners to hit us up with your, uh, where do you stand on uh, how much you should uh, allow, what content you're letting your children be exposed to. Um, now, just uh, if you're not aware, if you want to understand the violence that uh, Daniel was exposed to as a child he wrote a blog about how he murdered a rat one time that's out there so y'all can go and uh, look that up uh, it's a very good read um i'll say just for i'll start our closing uh comments um think about uh, everybody probably has uh, an example of when you were around a child and that child uh said uh, pointed out that somebody, a stranger maybe, was doing something that was inappropriate and it became um, uh, awkward. Um, I want to point out that those don't necessarily stop when your kid becomes more conscious of what they're saying. Awkward moments when people do things that you and your children view are wrong are going to continue 
throughout as long as you come in contact with people that are doing inappropriate things and how are you and your child going to handle that interaction uh well just sticking with the idea of a movie if y'all are watching a, a movie and a, a, a nude scene comes on how are you going to handle that who's going to say first this is inappropriate we should probably turn this off or fast forward whatever we need to do um, did you not so check the movie out before you started watching it come on what, people kids kidsinmind.com we could have just summed this whole podcast up with saying go to kidsinmind.com you will find out everything you need to know end of discussion my mdb has that same content as well as worth wow. checking out now they, they've updated their website uh one thing i will add in and uh, before michael gets to talk is uh i'm surprised this didn't come up at all maybe it makes sense it's not the most relevant, but the two books that I read in 2019 that were very informative um, in ascending order. First is Coddling of the American Mind. That's probably for older children um, and youth, but there's a little bit about younger children. And then definitely the TechWise family that I know at least two of us read, if not all of us. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't brought up, but extremely useful for understanding how we, um, need to uh, lead our children and our family um, in general in this new technological world. So that's two books worth checking out. So I will uh, close with some education related ideas and as far as preparing children. Um, let, me, let me frame it this way. Um, who do you want your kids to be? What do you want your family to be even if you don't have kids? Um, where do you see yourself 20 years, 50 years down the road. What do you want your family to look like? You're laying the blocks for that right now. Uh, so if you want them to be spiritual, have spiritual conversations. If you want them to be good at math, don't, don't go around saying, oh, well, I'm not very good at math, so I can't help you on that. Tell them you're going to be good at math. If you want them to take care of their finances, teach them about finances, have them play sports if you want them to be athletic you are very much in charge of what happens with your children. So take that in, into your mind and know where you want them to be. That's all the time we have for our podcast this evening. Uh, thanks for listening to us. We'll talk to you next week.